chose to come worship with us. If you are visiting or if you've been uh, coming recently, just continue to get involved, continue to find out what we're doing um, besides moving. Uh, but it's a good move. Amen. You know, I, I've been hearing lately a lot about a lot of churches. And one of the sad things is, is a lot of churches are shutting down. A lot of churches are closing down. Um, just like restaurants that open and don't make it. You know, I don't ever take for granted the fact that we've been at church for nine years. I don't take for granted this morning that we have a church in Costa Rica that's 16 years old and is still going. It's a miracle. You know, with so many churches that close down and so many churches that don't make it for whatever reason. Sometimes there's very distinct reasons, but a lot of times uh, it just doesn't happen. Um, things get over there. I've heard of stories just this week in the last couple of weeks of churches who, who even made uh, moves of faith and then and uh, didn't work out too big of a building or the wrong building. Or There's always, always these things that, that take place that are called risks. And if you've done anything for God, you have to understand there's a risk in anything you do for the Lord. And, and, and really, when you begin to step out in faith with God, He asks us to risk. But He actually does more than just ask us to risk in things. He asks us to risk our lives. Our lives, amen? And, and, and this, this size of a church, you know, we're not, we're not a big church, in, maybe in our eyes. We don't think this is very big. But did you know that 80% of the churches in the United States are less than 80 people? We have about 200 people in our church. So in that, in that statistic, we're a mega church. Amen? Although I don't want to be a mega church. We're pretty big compared to, compared to 80%. And, and I've heard this week, again, just hearing things that some churches uh, have 20 and 30 people. That's a, that's a pretty average and normal number. So let's thank God that he's allowed us to get to this place and allowed us to be able to reach this many lives and, and understand that if we've been faithful in the little, he's going to continue to give us much. Amen. So I want to talk this morning on this note about uh, it's better to lose your life than to waste it. If you're taking notes, write that down. It's better to lose your life than to waste it. Or if you want to write this down, don't waste your life. But on that note of don't waste your life, I would say don't waste your life, lose it. If you're looking at me like a cow stares at a new gate, I'll explain that to you right now, okay? What do you mean lose it? Well, let's look what Jesus said. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16. If you've got your Bibles there, let's go to Matthew 16. I really believe this message is going to challenge you. It's going to challenge us as a church. How many know we need to be challenged? If you ever get to the place in your walk where you're no longer being challenged or want to be challenged, be careful. Because there's something special about a spirit who wants to be challenged and, and wants to, uh, to, to be pushed in the ways of God. And let me tell you something. There is nobody better ever than Jesus for pushing people to be their greatest. A lot of times people point, paint the picture of Jesus as just this uh, always nice always loving person and love resonated in him but a lot of times his love came through rebuke his love came through challenge his love came through what are you doing with your life his love came through where's your heart at where's your spirit at where's your sacrifice at and nobody sacrificed greater than Jesus how many can say amen to that 
And we ever, when and if we ever think, oh, I've got it so bad right now, I'm really struggling, I'm not to take away from your struggle. But listen, Jesus did the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus had it all together and had everything he needed. He was in his, in his heavenly realm, and he said, I'm going to go down and, and be with these people, and I'm going to go all the way to the cross, and I'm going to give my life. Now look what he says to his disciples in Matthew 16, verse 25. For whoever desires to save his life will what? Lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Father, for the next few minutes, anoint your word. Anoint us as a congregation. Lord, it's exciting right now to be a child of God. It's exciting to be serving you. Lord, we, we feel your revival spirit in us today. I can't speak for everybody else, but I believe there's a revival spirit here right now. Lord, I know that we're in the middle of summer right now and attendance should be down and, and things should be gloomy. And, but Lord, you're moving in our church right now. You're moving in our lives. Lord, we're growing and, and there's excitement here. But Lord, we, we cannot get to a place of comfort. We must be to a place, God, where you are challenging us more today than you've ever challenged us before because the call, as Jesse said at the, at the prayer time, is great, Father, and we've got to be in one, one page and in one accord this morning. Satan, you're defeated. You have no power against the church of Jesus Christ. We thank you for bringing fruit out of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said? If, if you want to save your life, then you lose it. And if you'll lose your life, you'll gain it. Jesus said some interesting things, didn't he? How many, how many could be honest and say this morning, I wish, I wish I would have never heard that? Right? Let's be honest. There's some things we read in the Bible that we went, I, you know, it's like if you've ever seen something, he's like, I wish I wouldn't have seen that squirrel. I wish I wouldn't have seen that snake. I wish I wouldn't have seen that rat. You know, whatever it is, you wish you to see. Sometimes we can read something, and instead of us saying, wow, challenge me, Lord, we're like, oh, man, why, I, why, why did I have to read that? I was doing so good. I was getting so comfortable. I was starting to feel so good about life and everything, and now Jesus says, i got to lose my life. Well, if you don't lose it, you waste it. Think about it. What are we really doing I've talked about this many times over the years. If we think about life, how short it is, and we think about life and how um, everything we do here, if everything we did here was it, what a miserable thing that would be. Honestly. Honestly, there, there's a lot of people in this world who have everything life could want, but don't have any peace. Maybe even they have peace somehow. Maybe their money gives them peace, false peace, their things, their success. But one day they're going to die. I was talking to a guy yesterday and witnessing to him, and, and I asked him, what are you going to do when you die? Have you thought about that? He's a young man, about 20, smart guy. He's got a full scholarship to Hartford University in Connecticut, ac academically. I said, what are you going to do with your life? What, what are you going to do when you die? I was going somewhere. He said, I want to leave a legacy for my kids. 20 years old, who talks like that? I want to leave a legacy for my kids. I want to leave something that when I'm gone, they'll have something. And I said, man, that is awesome. That's great. But let me ask that again. What are you going to do when you die? And then all of a sudden it kind of, I said, I'm not talking about what you're going to leave here. 
And that's great. Nothing wrong with that. My grandma left a legacy. She left things behind that today are still going on. That's wonderful. I said, where are you going to spend eternity? If you, if you leave a legacy, which is great, and you leave houses, which is great, and you leave money, which is great, and you leave all kinds of things on this earth for people, that's great. But what is your soul going to do? And then he realized where I was going with it, and we had a great conversation and, and um, talked about Jesus and talked about eternal life. But, you know, that's what it really comes down to. Jesus was trying to get us to understand this verse. If you're more concerned with this life than you are with me, you're wasting your life. Think about it. You're wasting your life. But if you are concerned with Jesus and what he wants for your life, you're actually gaining. You're losing, you're losing what you think is life. How many have, have been saved long enough to realize now that the life that you have in Christ is the life that you really always wanted, you just didn't know it until somebody presented Jesus to you? Come on. Has anybody realized that, that this is the life you really wanted? You know, there's, there's a song, an old song, and I love it. It says, I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than, can anybody finish it? Anything. That's a powerful thought. And what we need to realize this morning is that Jesus is asking us something. He's saying, if you, telling us, sorry, if you desire to save your life, meaning if you desire to put all your eggs in this basket, you're going to lose your eggs. But if you will give, what he's basically saying is, if you'll give your eggs to me and waste them on me, I'll give you something back that you can't even fathom. The things that I've learned over the years now of almost 25 years in October of being saved and preaching the gospel is anytime God has ever asked me for something, what he has given me back has been way better than what he asked me for. Has anybody been saved long enough to realize that? He's asking us to give our lives and he wants us to waste our lives on him. How much do we waste in this world? I mean, we could go from food to clothes to things to time to all kinds of stuff. Why don't we start wasting, or if we already are, continue to waste our lives on Jesus? The New Living Translation of that same verse says, If you cling to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you'll find it. Now, I did this a long time ago, and I'm not going to take very long on this, but I want to give you a visual again. I've actually cut this rope up a little bit since last time. It's a totally different message this morning. A lot of times we don't realize how short our life is, how long eternity is. I want to give you an example of this rope. On this rope, don't know how long it is exactly. See this little red thing? On this, the length of this rope is, and I think the first time I did this, I, I wrapped it around the church a lot. But it's not really necessary. It is a little bit tied up here. But let me, uh, who's the Frank, will you grab this real quick? You, you, you're used to using rope, aren't you? I'm not going to make you do nothing. Don't get scared. I'm not going to make you corral nobody or nothing. Here, take, just take it and start, just go that way with it. Yeah. Just to show them a little bit of the length. It might have a little knot there. Yeah, keep getting that knot as you go. See how good he is with that? Good thing there's not a calf in there. All right, perfect. 
Just take it down that aisle. Go by Luis right there and take it down that aisle. So just, just mentally picture that this rope is a picture of a piece of eternity. Eternity. And this is our life. This little piece of it. It's not very much. When you think about, see, we don't spend enough time on eternity. None of us do. We, we all get so busy with life that we get caught up easily in this thing. Because why? Because it's all we know. None of us have been to heaven. None of us have been to hell, thank God. But we don't think enough about this. And Jesus is trying to get us to understand, listen, you guys are too focused on the today. He's telling his disciples. He's telling us today, you're too focused on things. You're too focused on things that don't matter. I need you to, to understand that if you will give me what I'm asking for, I will give you what you're not asking for, which is the desires of your heart. So just picture for a second that that's your life. And then this begins to go the span of just forever, eternity. And then I put a little black thing here in the middle. And just imagine like that compared to your life. And just picture that this little black thing is just, just a timeline. And this is about, oh, a million years into the future of eternity. Okay? A million years into, the, yeah. You just went, yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah, mine can't go there. But that's why I'm giving you this example of the rope. This is just, this is just, this is a million years in. And then right now, if you're looking at this rope, you can't see the end of it. Eternal is forever. Our mind's hard to grasp it. But Jesus is saying, stop focusing so much on this and start focusing on this. Because this is what matters. And the reason we can say this morning that I'd rather have silver, Jesus than silver and gold and riches untold and all that is because we can't take anything with us to that place. Everything we have, thank you, Frank, everything we have right now is here. Everything. We can't take any of this to this. Nothing. The only thing we can take into this is our name and, and anything tied to our name spiritually. Right? So Jesus is trying to get us to have an eternal perspective. And he says, if you cling to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will gain it. So Luke 21, let's go there real quick if you would. I'm going to show you a few scriptures. How many are with me? Amen. Luke 21, verse 10, shows us a little bit about this. And I'm not going to read it all, but this, this is Jesus beginning to talk about things that, that his disciples are going to go through. It's basically, if you want to take, uh, take notes, verse, basically verse 10 to verse 19. He goes on talking about that you'll be persecuted and, 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 and people will hate you in my name, and, and, but it'll be for your testimony and some will be put to death and, 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 and you'll have to speak the words, and, and I'm just paraphrasing this to not spend too much time on it, and he says, but not a hair of your head shall be touched. And he says, by this you'll possess your souls. And he's, he's basically saying, listen, this life is not easy. How many have come to notice that life's not easy? But it's going to be hard and not easy with or without God. So I choose to do it with God. I choose to do it with Jesus. And I choose to do it his way. So this morning, I believe that God has called you and me 
to greater things than we're doing. Even if we're doing something great, even if we're doing something good, I believe he's calling us to something greater, but we can't get to greater if we don't let God allow us to lose this life and waste this life on him. So what that means is I've got to have some risk. I've got to take some risks. And, and when you think about the word risk, the definition is this. It's an action that exposes you to the possibility. And that's the good part of it is risk always isn't always dangerous. Doesn't mean you're always when you take a risk going to fall. But it exposes you to the possibility of loss or injury. But we, we, a lot of times, if you see someone who makes it in business, makes it in sports, makes it in anything, music, anything successful in the world, they will always tell you risk. Risk. Got to take risks. And they'll even tell you, I just saw a commercial the other day about Gatorade, I think. Jordan's on there and a bunch of athletes. And they're saying, my greatest, my greatest uh, accomplishment was my loss. Because they had to lose to be able to push to be pushed to win. If you've never had any losses, you can't appreciate a win. And so sometimes God allows us to have loss so that we can appreciate the wins. So if you take a risk, you can lose money, you can lose face, you can lose your health, you can even lose your life. Or you can, you can throw your, if you think about it, you can throw your life away in about a thousand different ways. Don't we see that every day, how people throw their lives away? How people gain and then just drop it, uh, waste their lives on many different things. Many of us were wasting our lives before we came to meet Jesus. We're just wasting our lives. There was no purpose, no reason to get out of bed in the morning. Why do you think so many people take their lives? No purpose, no reason to get up in the morning. But here's the question. What we do is we say, well, what if this doesn't work? Right? And that what we do? What if this doesn't work out? What if this fails? And that's kind of our mentality. Instead of saying, what if this works? What if this works? What could happen if I step out of my boat and step onto the water and I walk? You know, that's why we pray for people that are sick. Because we can't say, well, what if God doesn't heal them? What if God doesn't move? What if God this and what if God that? And God's saying, what if I do heal them? What if I do restore that marriage? What if I do do a miracle in their bodies? We have to understand that ministry and serving God takes risk. But the question is, do you and I really love Jesus more than silver and gold and riches untold and all the things that this life has to offer? That's the question we all have to ask ourselves. I had a question asked to me not too long ago, and I've really been thinking about it, and I think it's really powerful. I'm going to give it to you. You don't have to answer it. Out loud, of course. But let's talk about eternity, and let's talk about heaven. We know there's a place called heaven. We know biblically that eternity is real. We, know, we understand that everybody's going to live forever. We just choose where. But think about this. Here's a, here's a way you can know if you really love Jesus. What if I told you this morning that heaven existed, but when you got there, Jesus would not be there? Think about that. Heaven exists, but when you get there, Jesus is not there. I'm not saying that in the sense that Jesus doesn't exist or that Jesus isn't real or any of that. I'm saying if you could have heaven 
without Jesus, would you want heaven? I wouldn't. That's how you really know if you love Jesus. Because why would I want to go to that place called heaven if I can't be with the person who gave me access to heaven? If I can't spend eternity worshiping him and thanking him and, and praising him, why would I want to be there? And that's the question you have to ask yourself. In, in, in our terms, some of you are like, oh, I can't. Let me just break it down this way. If I was going to give you 500 acres out in the country with a house and lakes and rivers and all that stuff, and I said, but you can't go with your family, it's just you, would you want to go live there? Now add that to what I just said. Because maybe some of you aren't quite grasping that. What good does it do to have 500 acres? What good does it do to have a lake and a house and all these things if you're not with the person you love? Y'all with me? So what good does it do to gain this whole world and lose my soul? What good does it do to gain, this, to gain something in this world and not get everything that Jesus has for me? Not gain everything that Jesus wants for me. Let's go to James chapter 4. I'm going to get to move quickly through this. James chapter 4, verse 13. Give me an amen when you get there. How do we begin to think about this? How do we begin to, to, to see if I can or, or if I will waste my life? The first thing I've got to understand is that my life is given to me, but I don't have a promise of life tomorrow. How many know that's important to understand? We really do truly have to live for today. And, and that's one of the reasons a lot of times we fail, I think, in really doing what God wants us to do because we can get so futuristically minded that we don't worry about today and we don't understand that today's all I have. Not saying don't plan, not saying don't look to the future. Don't, don't misinterpret that. But the idea is I don't have any control over that. I'm going to, if, if, I, if I'm going to die before the rapture, before Jesus comes and takes us home, and you or I are going to die, we're going to die the day that's already been, the Bible says in Hebrews 9.27, established. Before we were born. There's a date. There's an, we have an expiration date. Just like anything you buy has an expiration date. We have an expiration date. We just don't know what our expiration date is. And so we have to understand this. So James 4.13 says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow will go to such a place and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit, yet you don't know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist. And you're going to hear me, hear me read a verse right here that I use a lot at the altar call. You are a mist that for a little time appears and then vanishes. And he says, You ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or do that. Do you realize that we don't know? And I, I, trust me when I say this. I'm not speaking any of these things in existence. I'm giving examples. Someone's heart could stop beating before this service is over. We don't know if we, we walk out of this place and, and get onto Fort Worth Drive and get hit by an oncoming driver. Jesse was just in a really bad accident the other day. Thank God he's okay. His car's totaled. That could have been the day. It could have been your day. And we all have been through those things where we don't know what tomorrow holds. You know, someone, someone could go eat at a restaurant after and get food poisoning and die. I heard a bunch of the teens got sick at this camp. About a quarter of them were sick with food poisoning. How many are following what I'm saying? You could have a stroke. We could walk out of this place and, and see something we have happen all the time and have some crazy person with a rifle kill people. 
We don't, I don't say those things to scare us. We don't know what tomorrow holds. And so we've got to understand that God holds tomorrow. And if God holds tomorrow, God holds my life in his hands. Tell me that's not a good thing to think about. My life is in his hands. But it's only in his hands if I give it to him. Because he is a respecter of our, of our feelings. He gives us free will. So he's saying, you, I, I'm not promising you. And I, I like that about God. I like that about Jesus. He didn't promise me life would be easy. He did not say anywhere in scripture, if you say the sinner's prayer, it's over, you're good, it's done. He didn't say that. It's a walk. It's a fight. But he said, if you give me your life and you lose your life for me, I will give you back greater things than you can even imagine. Now, let me give you a few examples. How many are, give me a few more minutes here. Second Samuel uh, write this down in your notes. Let, let, let the Lord do, write this down, let the Lord do, this, this is really good, let the Lord do what seems good to him. I mean, that's a good way to live. Lord, you do what you think's good here. Aren't we good at pushing the envelope and pushing God and telling, hey, God, you need to do this, and God, I think you should do that, and this is what, no, God, you know what? You do what you think you need to do in this. That, that's the attitude that we should have. That's the attitude I have as, as, as in the ministry, as a church. I have to remind myself all the time, in any struggles we've ever had in the past of bills or, or decisions or anything, it's ain't my church, God. This is yours. Do what you think you should do. This is your building. This is your church. This is your work. How many know we should think that way about our lives? This is your life. My life is not my own. We just sang that this morning. My life is not my own. I always love when they pick the songs and it goes along so good with my messages. I give myself away. What a great lead-in. My life is not my own. To you, I belong. I give myself, I give myself away. Some of us have not experienced the true power of God in our lives because we have not truly given our lives to Jesus. I'm going to preach a message soon. I'm working on it right now about burning bridges. And I don't mean burning bridges in the way that we know. I'm talking about burning the past things that connect you to your past so you don't have no way to go back to it. Detaching yourself from anything that's, well, let me, you know what we do a lot of times when we, when we say we do risk? We say, Lord, I'm going to give you 98%, but I'm going to leave that 2% door over there in case this don't work out. Can you imagine if you did that in marriage? Hey, we're going to get married. Hey, I, I do 98%. But if we argue too much or this happens or that happens, I've got an annulment over here. If it, how many are following what I'm saying? can't do that. You can't do that. In life, you have to do it all. And God wants all of us. So in 2 Samuel chapter 10, Joab uh, is commanding the Israeli forces. And uh, you can look at verses 11 and 12. And they're surrounded by the Amalekites. One side, Amalekites. Other side, Syrians. They're in serious trouble. He divides his troops up, puts his brother Abishai in charge of one of the troops of fighters, and the other one led the other team, and they're going forward, and he pledges to each, to each side, and he says, then a great word in verse 12 comes. He says, be of good courage. This is 2 Samuel 10, 12. Be of good courage, and let us be courageous for our people and for the cities of our God. Listen carefully. And may the Lord do what seems good to him. He, he, so what, what does that show us? Something very powerful. He's fighting. 
He's walking. He's doing. He's acting. He's living. This isn't a message about sitting back and twiddling our thumbs and letting God do everything. He's doing it all. He's doing what he thinks he should do. He's fighting. He's encouraging. But then at the last word is, God, you've got the last word. How many are following me? I'm, I'm going to do, I'm going to go, I'm going to say, I'm going to act, I'm going to live, I'm going to have faith. But God, do what you think is right. At the end of the day, I'm good with your decision. See, that's the problem, church. A lot of people aren't good with God's decision. What, the, what we do is, Jesus, I'll give you my life, all of it, unless it's not like I want it. Oh, that was a good place to say amen right there. Come on. That's not all in. That's not risky. Jesus, I'll follow you. What did Peter say? With his mouth. I'll follow you to death. And a few days later, he was denying him. Words are cheap. Words are cheap. Heard a lot of words over the years. I'll do this and I'll do that. I'll go here and I'll go there. Words don't mean anything. Action means something. Action speaks louder than words. So we've got to be in a place where I say, hey, God, I've done it all now. If I did it like you thought I should, do what seems good to you. Can you live with the results of what God wants? I can. I'm good with what God wants. That's the place you need to be. God, that's the best place. God, I'm good with what I've done my part. I've done what I think you told me to do, but I'm good with whatever you want. That's the right attitude. Another, another thing we see, it, which is so powerful, is so here, let me finish that thought. He's, he's saying the Syrians are over here and the Amalekites are over here and I've done everything I can to prepare. Now it's in your hands and I'm okay with the results because I trust you. And, and maybe the result was a loss. Maybe the loss was to teach him a lesson. Maybe it was the loss was to keep him humble. A lot of times we look at the struggles in our life and we always, 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 always blame God and think, or, or, or blame the devil. And sometimes we just need to say, God, maybe you allowed that loss so that I could learn a lesson. Maybe you allowed this brokenness, maybe you allowed this, this casualty here to happen so that I could have a greater reward down here. But you won't get the greater reward down here if you don't accept the loss over here and say, God, do what seems good to you. How many have ever heard of Queen Esther? She says these words, write them down. If I perish, I perish. This is a great message to go back later and look at again. If I perish, I perish. That's a weird statement. If I die, I die. If I don't make it, I don't make it. That's what Esther said. She, she's having this situation going on. She's having this work happen with, with uh, Haman and Mordecai and all the Jews in, in the book of Esther. And, and Mordecai sends word to Esther. says, go before the king and plead the, our case. Amen? Isn't that what he said? Go before the king. And she, she's in that place of position. And she does it, but she says these words. Let's look at Esther chapter 4. I want you to look at this. Esther chapter 4, verse 15. Give me an amen when you get there. And tell somebody right next to you, you need to say amen every once in a while. So that I know you're listening. Amen. Esther chapter 4. Old Testament, small book. 
I'm going to read. If you're not there, you can write it down and find it later. It says, Go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, and hold a fast on my behalf, and don't eat for th- or drink for three days or nights, and I and my young women will also fast as you do. This is Esther speaking, and she says, Then, verse 16, I will go to the king, and this is interesting, she says, even though it's against the law, I will go to the king, and here is her attitude, if I perish, I perish. Oh, this is a good place to just marinate for a second. How come I'm not doing anything amazing for God? How come I don't feel like I'm seeing the, the, how come I'm not shaking the world? Because you're still in love with it. Because you're still attached to it. God is looking for some people in this place this morning who are no longer attached to the world. If I perish, I perish. I'm all in. Come on, guys. I'm all in. We're a generation and a people who we've got to have some kind of guarantee. We've got to have some kind of padding. We've got, hey, I'll jump if you let me jump onto a mattress. I'll go and leave everything as long as there's something left to not leave. Right? That's what we do. We throw these clauses in instead of just saying reckless abandon. Esther did not say, if I perish, well, that stinks. Or if I'm about to die and I see them pulling, you know, about to kill me, I'm going back. No, she says, if I perish, I perish. She, she says, I'm all in. And I'm trying not to get into that other message right now. But you've got you to gotta burn some stuff behind you. You've got to leave some things behind and say, I'm not, th- there's nothing to go back to. He says, lose your life for me and you'll find it. Waste your life on Jesus. Now watch this. King Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel, chapter 3, verses 16 to 18. Nebuchadnezzar sets up an image of gold, commands that when the trumpet sounds, all the people will bow down to that image. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, no, we will not bow to your gods. Write that down in your notes. I will not serve your gods. We're seeing some attitudes here, but good ones. Amen? There's some serious attitudes in this world. I got a sign in my, in my office that says, uh, pick a good attitude. You got, we all have an attitude, choose a good one. Right? We need to choose to have an attitude that says, I'm all in. I'm, these attitudes are, she, uh, she says, if I perish, I perish. Samuel says, if, if, if this seems good to you, I'm good with it. And now Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are saying, I will not serve your gods. I'm going to serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so we're going to worship the true God. And Nebuchadnezzar says, okay, if you're not going to worship my God, then I'm turning the fire up seven times hotter. See, a lot of times we think, oh, make a statement for God, and then it's going to be, oh, that's all I had to do. No, 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 no. When you make a statement for God, a test is going to come. From God and the devil. Or they're both going to say, well, let's see if this was true. 
And lots of Christians make a statement, and then when the going gets rough, the rough run. They didn't run. He said, I'm going to turn this fire up seven times hotter. And then they, they, they kind of tied in all the ones I just said. Guess what? We believe that God, our God, is going to save us from this fire. But if he doesn't, we still won't bow down to your gods. See, they didn't leave a clause in their, in their decision. How many are finding out what I'm showing here this morning? We cannot serve God with an out. Well, so many Christians, well, it just didn't work. I don't serve God anymore because it just didn't work. It's just really not the way I thought it would be. Well, probably because you were in some kind of teaching that was giving you the wrong example of what life was going to be like with Jesus. Because it doesn't say anywhere in the Bible that it's going to be easy. And then you know what they basically say? I'm ready to die for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, I'm closing, and the great New, New Testament apostle says in Acts 21, 13, What are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart. For I'm not only ready to be imprisoned, but to die for the name of the Lord Jesus. I'm not only willing to be imprisoned, but I'm ready to die. Now, we have a book here full of men and women who did what they said they were going to do. You got some Judases in there. You got some people in there that, that like Demas, that ran and went back to the world. So they're there. They might be around you. They might be in your life. But you got to choose. I'm not going to be a Demas. I'm not going to be a Judas. I'm going to be an Apostle Paul. I'm going to be an Esther. I'm going to be a, 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 a Daniel. I am going to go in this fight until the day I die. And I'm not turning back. Amen. I have decided to follow Jesus and I'm not turning back. That wonderful song, the world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back. No turning back. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past if you don't finish the future. That's why the past, good or bad, I can look back on a lot of things that God has allowed me to do in my past and I can thank Him for it and I can use them as experiences, but they don't mean anything for tomorrow. What matters for tomorrow is the decision I make today. You know the Bible says that the first will be last and the last will be first? A lot of times that's that's the understanding of, you know, that somebody could come in at the end and have the mercy and grace of God because some of us might realize, you know, we're living in the, in the last days. We're living where this, you know, this church age is beginning to close up. We don't have hundreds of years left to do work. I, might, I don't know how many years left we have in our life to serve. And you might have just come in and said, man, how am I, I going to do all this stuff that I know God wants me to do? Well, God was going to look at what you do with the time you have. If you get a year, if you get two years, you get five years, you get six months, what have you done in that time for Jesus? And what that means is the first will be last and the last will be first is that somebody who came in at the 9 o'clock hour is going to get the same wages as the one who came in at 5 p.m. It's all about doing what you can with what you have now. Today. Amen. Well, I'll do it tomorrow. Yeah, I'll do it when I get everything together. Well, I just, I just this and I just that. No, stop. 
wasting your life. Come on, tell somebody next to you, stop wasting your life. And then say, lose it to Jesus. Last point. We should have a great example about waste in the, in the Old Testament. Forty years. Forty years of waste. The Israelites went for 40 years into the wandering wilderness. Why? Because they weren't willing to risk. They weren't willing to understand that God was allowing them to be a little bit tested in the, in the walking towards the promised land. And instead of possessing the promised land, they had to go to 40 years of waste. We need to be able to look beyond today and see the future and see the things that God has for us and understand that the things that God has for us in the future way outweigh the problem you're facing right now. Way, way, way beyond our mind's even conception of it. They complained, they complained, they complained. And the crazy thing is, church, they were literally on the border of the promised land. They were right there. It was around the corner. Oh, we murmur, we complain, we, oh, this is so bad. You know it's not. Listen, if you're serving Jesus, it's so good. Let me say that again. Don't make me turn around and talk to the wall. No matter what you're going through, if you are serving Jesus, it is good. It is so good. Amen? If you feel like you're losing something on this earth, you're actually gaining. Every time, it's like, you know, when we were talking about time, we give our time, we give our time, we give our things to God. We think, well, I just lost that. No, you didn't. You just gained it. The kingdom of God is the only place that you can gain by losing. Let me say that again because I think some of you are still, I don't know what you're doing. The kingdom of God is the only place you can gain by losing. Jesus says, lose your life and you'll gain it. Sounds crazy. The cross is foolishness for those who do not believe. Joshua and Caleb have faith. Hey, can we take that land? We have a book in our fellowship called We Can Take the Land. We Can Take the Land. How many believe, like Jesse said at prayer this morning, that there is a revival that God wants us to see, and it's time to possess the land. Amen? It is not over. Where the best is yet to come. It doesn't matter if it's a long time or a short time. I believe with all my heart that there's a mighty harvest right around the corner. Right around the corner. And we, this is why we're, we're, we're focusing so hard on this summer on making sure that our Sunday nights have the rain and our Wednesday nights we're working on our hearts and our Sunday mornings we're coming in and being challenged so that we can see a harvest this summer of souls that are right around the corner, church. But we've got to take some risks. We've got to step out a little bit of our comfort zone. I love what my pastor taught me many years ago. He said our job is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Come on, that was a good place to clap, amen? That's, the God, that's God's job. If you're comfortable, hey, get up, move. You're too comfortable. And if you're afflicted, hey, help you get fixed up here. 
then get a move on. Amen? We run with the runners. Jesus runs with the runners. We run. And whoever's running with us, we're running. We're going. We're conquering. We're going. We're not letting anything keep us back. Amen? We're not letting any chains hold us back. I'm not looking back to the plow. I got to get out of that message. I keep wanting to go to that message. So Joshua says, we can take it. The other says, no, we're not able to go up against these people. Listen, if you're negative, don't talk to me. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear negative. I want to hear positive. I want to hear we can do it. We can take it. We can go. How, how are we reaching lives? How are we touching lives? How are we going forward? Amen. If you're negative, go find someone. You'll, you can find someone real easy that's negative with you. They'll listen to you. You talk to them. But I'm just telling you right now, I don't want it. I don't want the negative. I want the positive. I want how we're going to reach those souls, how we're going to do outreach, how we're going to pray, how we're going to go do more, how we're going to see souls saved. That's what I want to do. Amen. Run with the runners. Musicians, you can come. Joshua encourages them in this situation. And he says, the land which we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. Church, there is a land flowing with milk and honey. Not only in heaven, but on this earth. It's a parallel. It's, it, he's doing two things at once. When I'm investing here on this earth, I'm also investing in heaven. Nothing that I lose here does not gain Everything that I give up, everything that I sacrifice, everything that I lay down, God is saying, and if you don't believe it, I'm going to give you a verse. God is saying, see, your life just went away. It's gone, just like that. It's a vapor. Everything you give up, God has something better, okay? Let's stand this morning. Father, you're challenging us. As a church, you're challenging me, you're challenging us as individuals to lose our lives. Whoever doesn't lose their lives for you, Father, will not gain the things that you have. But if we lose our lives, if we waste our lives on you, it's not a waste. It's gain. You said, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose their soul? Whatever you're doing, listen, only what you do for Christ will last. Only what you do for eternity will last. We have to go to work. We have to live. We have to go to school. We have to do life, but we need to revolve our life around Jesus and not the other way around. Don't revolve Jesus around your life. That's not what he's saying there. He's saying, give it to me. Die to me. Lose your life if you want to find it, and I will give you better than what, you've, what I've asked you to give me. So he says, the land is flowing with milk and honey. Don't rebel against the Lord. Don't fear the people. And I, he says, for they are bread for us. God, the Bible says he's preparing a table in the midst of your enemies. He's sitting you right down in, in the middle of them, and he's preparing victory. While you think you're losing, he's, he's giving you victory. 
right there in the midst of that storm, God is doing something. God is up to something. How many this morning as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed would be honest with God this morning and say, I've never been born again. You've never found life in Jesus. You cannot have anything I mentioned this morning if you don't give your life to Jesus. If you don't surrender. The Bible says you must be born again. How many could say, that's me. I need to be saved this morning. Pastor, would you say the sinner's prayer with me this morning? All over this place, just put your hand up and put it right back down and say, that's me. I need to be saved this morning. I need to be born again. I am not saved. I don't know where I would spend eternity if I died right now. If today was the day that's established for you to pass into eternity, where would you spend it? Because listen, it is not a long time. It is forever. It is forever, forever, forever. Today is the day of salvation. The Bible says today is the acceptable time of the Lord. If our hearts are right with Jesus this morning, if we're saved and our names are in the book of life, that's not the ult- That's not the last step. That's the first step. The next step is God. What? do you want to do with my life? God, how can I serve you? How can I spend the rest of my life giving back to you my life? To pay you, not for my salvation, but in gratitude, to pay you back for dying on the cross for my sins. How can I lose my life and gain you? How can I waste my life on you? You know, Paul said, in his prayer, right before he died, he said, I am being poured out as a drink offering. In prison, in chains, dying, he says, I am being poured out. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of life I want to live. I want to be able to say, Lord, do what seems good to you. Lord, I will not bow down to these idols. Lord, if I perish, I perish. If I perish, I perish. I want to open up the altars in just a minute. And I want us to, I want those who accept this message, I'm going to put it that way. Because it's not about even a decision up here. It's about a decision in your heart. God is calling you to do something. He's calling you to sacrifice something. He's calling you to step out, to take a risk. To, to believe that God wants to do amazing things in your life. I can't do it for you. I'm not going to answer your call for you just like you're not going to answer my call for me. We all have to answer the call individually. And I don't want to stand before Jesus empty-handed. I want to give him something. I want to give him back the crown at his feet. I want to lay it at his feet. So we're going to open up the altars. We begin to sing. This is a, It's 1135. We're going to take some time here to pray we'll see revival when we as as people begin to, to die to ourselves and burn the past 